conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today I am joined by Liana Kangas and we are talking all about comics. I didn't make us talk about anything in particular, so it could just go wherever it wants to go. But Liana, how are you doing today? I'm great. And also, thanks for uh, inviting me on. Uh, Also, what better thing to talk about than comics? I know. I'm kind of trying to shift gears with the podcast because before I was like covering the Marvel movies and everything, which I'll still probably want to do. But I was like, you know what? I really like comics right now. So we're just going to talk about those some more. And I'm excited because you've worked on quite a few different things, both credited and not credited, as it were, (laughs) which, you know, I think some people might be familiar with, especially myself as someone who works on a ton of podcasts and may or may not get mentioned for them. But you started breaking into comics really in 2017. Is that right? I want to say yes. It is. uh, It has been a journey. So yes, I think that's the year. Yeah. Maybe 2016, Okay, but hard to say. (laughs) So right now you are most recently working on Star Wars Adventures and True Cult, which was a Kickstarter campaign that you ran. Can you talk to me a little about True Cult and where that idea came from? Absolutely. Yeah. So True Cult is a series that's actually just about to wrap up here uh, that we initially released on Kickstarter. And it is like an indie kind of heist, wild, I want to say like supernatural thriller um, about these uh, three kids that work at a fast food joint. And so there's a lot of like, quote unquote, satanic elements and things like that to kind of like throw the reader off. Uh, We just wrapped it up as of today, actually, and it's going to be out shortly. Um, there's a lot of cool news with that. So Scott, the writer, Scott Brian Wilson, he just recently did stuff like for DC, uh, like Pennyworth. And um, our colorist, Gab Contreras, who's done some stuff for like Oni and things like that upcoming. And our letterer, DC Hopkins, who's also worked on some DC stuff with Scott. And I'm mentioning only two more people. So James did our color assists and uh, Jaslyn Stone did our marketing. So essentially, like the reason why it all came together was uh, at the beginning of uh, COVID and everything. We had initially pitched this series. Uh, Scott and I have known each other from Jersey and we've been wanting to work together for a long time. And essentially it just came to like, well, let's work on something together and like, we'll see where it goes. And Um, it was actually like soft greenlit, uh, with a publisher, but then COVID happened and we, I think it was Jaslyn who suggested Kickstarter. And, you know, I think we were both like, whoa, never done a Kickstarter before. Like that seems like a huge undertaking, but like the team really like pulled together, like literally all the team. It was kind of cool. Um, but we worked on putting on Kickstarter and it did really well. So like that was around this time last year. And now seeing it almost like a year later finishing is pretty wild. So I feel like it was just like a whole bunch of friends working on it because like uh, Scott brought DC on and I brought Gab and James and uh, Jaslyn on. And so it was kind of it worked out really well. It was really fun. Yeah. And Kickstarter definitely blew up during the pandemic for 
comics in particular. I backed so many Absolutely. things. I was like, I don't need to look at how much money I just spent nope, on Kickstarters yeah. because I don't even like seeing my number backed anymore. I'm like, mm-mm. Just. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, it doesn't charge you until like after the campaign ends. So I would just do it and like try to forget about it. <laughs> and yeah, then I would yeah. get the email, you've been charged. I was like, oh no, what did I do 30 days ago? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. But that's kind of the fun part. You you have like a like a present awaiting you. And I I don't know about you, but I tend to be a physical reader, so it's always nice when and I love snail mail. So I love when I just, you know, a book just shows up on my doorstep. Um, I hear a lot of horror stories with people, you know, kind of being like, why does this take so long? Why, why don't I have the book right now? But like, as you can tell, like me saying this took an entire year for us to do and like production and, you know, even printing the first issue for that Kickstarter took a little bit, you know, to do. So I would like to hope that I am a really nice backer because I'm always pleasantly surprised that I back something when it comes in the mail. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, as much as I love physical stuff, I had to start doing digital because yes, there are two bookshelves in this room that you can't see. There are yeah, five bookshelves no in this room. And yeah. they're full. I'm out of room. I packed some comics. I was like, I've read these. I can pack them. I've tried to get rid of books. I'm like, I'm very bad at this. I'm very attached to my books, too, as you can tell. <laughs> I have multiple... <laughs> not in view yeah uh, yeah we so. understand each other that's mm-hmm. that's great and you know I kind of was like okay I'll back digital stuff because you know it still helps and obviously then it's going to cost them less overall because they're hopefully printing a little less which you know I'm sure because of the way Kickstarter works either is fine with creators. But for me, I was like, okay, I got to think of the shelves. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And when I move, got to think of when I move because that's going to hurt. But for me, I just really went wild with backing stuff on Kickstarter last year. And I think I'm still waiting on a few things that I maybe backed earlier this year. But I previously had a conversation with Erica Schultz about, you know, running things on Kickstarter. And it seems like a pretty amazing way to support the creators you like. And, you know, something I talked about on my YouTube channel semi recently was the Substack deals that we were seeing with a lot of mm-hmm. the bigger name comic book creators. And it just feels like the comic book industry kind of hit a point where it's like, okay, things need to change at least a little bit. <laughs> you know, we can't keep relying on Marvel and DC to really fuel things. They still will, obviously, but for you, does it feel like there's a bigger opportunity for creators who aren't working at the big two right now? Oh, yeah. I think we're almost like in an art renaissance with people having the time and energy to devote to things that they never got to do before and tell stories that they've never gotten to tell. So I, especially with things like that Substack deal and like uh, companies taking big risks uh, with creators who want to tell more unique stories, I think is a good way to show that I I hope the comic industry is like headed in a very interesting direction, especially for indie comics. So yeah, and obviously you aren't opposed to working on big IP because you have done some Star Wars adventures. How did that come about? Because I know Star Wars comics are kind of different since you have the ones that come out through Marvel and then Mm -hmm. IDW still has rights to some. And I know 
IDW has some sort of deal with Marvel. I don't know the exact details, but you know, you've had some Spider-Man stuff come out with IDW too. So how did that opportunity come about for you? My lovely editor, Elizabeth Bray, contacted me to ask if I'd want to try out uh, for Lucasfilm to see if I'd be approved. Um, And... I was pleasantly surprised because I don't think her and I had uh, really met prior to that. And then when I was approved, I, you know, I got the the word that Sam was the writer. And so I was like, well, this is going to be one of the best books I've ever worked on. So <laughs> really excited about that. Um, and my view of the Star Wars IDW line was always that it was kind of the fun stories, the fun side stories that you don't always typically get, and they're always in shorter, um, you know, spurts. So they're easier to digest and like kind of like the extra content that you always want. So like people that are looking for more Star Wars content can just like go grab those and like easily read a couple out of order. You don't necessarily have to have it, but they collect it all together too, which is really cool in like digest size. So Anyway, long story short, I ended up meeting my now new editor, Heather, as well, and we ended up working on all that together, and it was a fantastic experience. Luke and Leia, honestly, probably my favorite characters uh, in the franchise. To work on, like, I guess an underground, like, stealing a boggling ring is, like, the best. You know, I'm a dog. I'm a dog parent. I love, uh, you know, have animal rights or whatever. So I just thought that that was a really interesting premise and it was super fun to work on. Um, 10 out of 10 would do it again. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems like IDW too has a little more freedom because like you said, they're not really tied to the canon stories that are probably being told through Marvel's line of Star Wars comics. And, you know, just looking at some of the art, you can tell that you don't have to necessarily do like the sort of house style to keep up with Marvel either, which seems like it allows for not more originality, but just for the artist and writer to put more of their personality into these comics versus, you know, kind of having a more strict, hey, this is what you need to write about. (laughs) I will say, however, I have gotten so many people reaching out to me to ask if it like ties in in some sort of way to all the future stuff. I will always answer, I don't know, uh, because technically I do not know, but it is great to get asked those questions all the time, especially from like high school friends, you know, (laughs) to be like, (laughs) I I almost feel like nerd royalty at this point, you know? (laughs) Like, yes. Or at least they make me feel that way. So I worked on Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't specify which part. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's great. And for you, are you looking to do more in that realm where you're working maybe on more Marvel or even DC stuff? Or are you really going to focus on some of the more indie stuff or just kind of take what comes? I would say take what comes. Like, I really... I love working on big license stuff. It's it's a fun challenge. You work with incredible people, almost kind of like being paired up, uh, you know, people that you get to meet that like, you know, I really enjoyed collaborating with Sam. It was a great experience. So like, I would love to collaborate with her more. And those are the types of opportunities that are my favorite part about comics is like meeting people, befriending or like working with them in some way and like having a great time. What a better job, right? Um, but I do like doing you know, my own stories. And so like the way that I've, I actually 
spoke with uh, Greg Pak about this a couple of years ago when I first kind of started breaking into comics. And he was like, I'll do one licensed work and then I'll even that out with like a creator on the work. And so he'll always like go back and forth. And I've always taken that as like instruction to like make sure that I don't uh, burn out with inspiration or anything like that. So like I'll do a creator own and then I'll do that or I'll do, you know, so I like both. I literally just tweeted today uh, what licenses would people want to see me do a one shot of because I really want, you know, I want to get ideas for fan art or I also like would love to do more stuff like that while I'm working on these other like indie books. One of my friends brought up, uh, I think it was Gotham City Sirens or something. And I like I loved the Birds of Prey movie. So I was like, yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. But like a lot of the things I said yes to was my old school love of like DC. So, you know. Put it out there. It'll happen. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Putting it out into the universe. Maybe I'll do it one day. That would be really fun. Yeah. But the one for them, one for me thing is something that I hear a lot, not just in comics, but just in creative fields in general. And, you know, before we started the episode here, we were talking about how many podcasts I work on for like paid work. And so for me, this is kind of like my one for me, technically too, because I also do my Stephen King podcast. But, you know, that's kind of how I keep things going and just like keep my brain engaged because I went a little wild and this is podcast number 14 of 15 that I'm recording this September. So, you know, for people listening in a few weeks here, we're recording this on September 28th and you're listening to it like at the end of October. But yeah, I just went all out this month because I was like, okay, I just need to be done with Stephen King prep. I have so much that I need to edit. I have like a three month backlog for that podcast right now. So I've I've caught up to, you know, the most recent book, the most recent show. So I don't have anything until 2022 that I need to really consume Stephen King wise aside from the comics. Yeah. And even though this month was super hectic, and I'm like, what did I just do? (laughs) You know, if I didn't do... I still don't know how you scheduled that many guests. Like... (laughs) (laughs) you know as you know as someone who also has a podcast I'm like one a week maybe and then I do the other that I am a guest on someone else's you know what I mean two is my max I've done like five in one week once never again I tell myself that every time I do five in one week and then I do it again like two months later and I'm like (laughs) I lied (laughs) to myself But yeah, so even though, you know, it's been hectic this month in particular, I think it'll be good for me to just have like editing to do for the Stephen King podcast, because that was probably taking up 10 to 15 hours a week because he writes very long books. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was watching everything at the same time, too. And the one thing I'm really excited about is diving into comics more for this podcast. And I, you know, we mentioned the Substack deals earlier, I signed up for Scott Snyder's class. So I've been, you know, doing that once a month. And it's not necessarily because I want to write comics, but I feel like it'll just help me get a better understanding of comics, how they're made. And at most, I've written like one page of a comic, and that's it. And there's no art to it. It's just I did a thing. And I was like, okay, I could kind of do this, I guess. (laughs) But I think a lot of people don't really focus on the how things are made part necessarily. And I think that's why it's great that Substack is letting creators 
do that because not only are some posting comics on Substack, but almost all of them that I've seen are like breaking down their process. Do you feel like that's become more commonplace these days too? Yeah, I I think it's something that a lot of comic readers want a part of, or they want to feel like they're almost a part of the creation or making of stuff. I've always done that for my Patreon um, or like my Twitter is like posts like how I do things or like talk about it on podcasts and stuff like that. But primarily how I use Patreon is like a work in progress behind the scenes, you know, honestly, like Q&A for at any point, you know, like whatever you want to know, I'm essentially an open book unless I've signed an NDA. So, um, and that's only because like when I was breaking into the industry, I would just ask people, you know, like questions, like how do I break into doing more covers or how do I do this or how do I do that? And one of the things that, um, you know, I think allows people to feel like they're a part of the comics community is that specifically. So I do like that a lot of creators are utilizing newsletters and things like that to talk about or be more transparent about the industry, especially because of how much is going on and like how crazy things get from point A to point B in terms of like, oh, you read this comic 10 years ago. Now it's a movie. Like what? You know, things like that. So it's one of my favorite parts, I think, of comics in general is breaking down the storytelling and visual storytelling process. Yeah. And when you have someone like Scott, who is now sort of doing his own thing with the Comixology originals, it seems like he's mm-hmm. a little more open to talking about what what went down on Batman. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually really funny. <laughs> yeah, because there was like this big article that came out on the New 52 week or so ago on Polygon. And it was like people kind of dishing on how unorganized things were (laughs) with the new 52, basically. And those are things you don't hear about, especially with Marvel and DC. Mm -hmm. They really like want to keep that hush hush and (laughs) not let anyone know their problems. But, you know, I think comics are just becoming way more transparent because you had all of the stuff with like the royalty payments recently, too. And, you know, so many different things that are crazy. (laughs) Well, I mean, even the biggest part is like, the major big two layoffs over the past two years. You know what I mean? I think if anything, hopefully that transparency helps build a better like foundation for how comics are created or done. Um, But who's to say? Yeah. Disney certainly has enough money to fix their problems, but it remains to be seen. (laughs) I'm like silently laughing. (laughs) Sorry. We won't call out Disney too much here. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. But for you, Liana, who was it or what was it that really helped you get your foot in the door when you were breaking into comics a few years back, just to kind of jump around here? Yeah, um, I have to attribute, I think, my two friends kind of in comics, like from the start, uh, actually three, now that I think about it. So when I broke in, quote unquote, I did an anthology piece for the Mine Anthology, which is like award winning. It's about uh, supporting Planned Parenthood. During that signing, I met Joe Corallo, who you, as you know, I collaborated with um, on She Said Destroy and TKO uh, Seeds of Eden. I met Vita, who we were previously Twitter mutuals, and they introduced me. First, we like, were like, oh my God, you're a real person. And then like got really excited and like introduced me to 
Um, their mom was there at the signing. Super cute. And they also introduced me to my now editor on a couple things, Sarah Litt. I love her. Um, and Sarah wasn't even signing, which is even funnier. Um, so I actually ended up working with Vita and Sarah on a book, uh, The Devil's Die, and eventually did the co- my first cover series uh, for Ahoy Comics with Sarah as well for the Eric Palicki's book, Blacksmith. Um, and then my third, which I did not meet uh, at this signing per se, but I met at a signing near where I lived, uh, Erica Schultz, who you've also talked to. Um, her and I lived five minutes apart from each other. And without her, I would have injured myself multiple times. But those are stories for another day. <laughs> it's funny, I didn't intend to do this, but I've had Vita on, I've had Erica on, I've had Jono on. So I just found a friend. I love that. I'm hoping you all adopt me. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I I didn't think about that until you asked the question, but I have probably texted all three of them within the last 24 hours. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Yeah. So I it's great. So people like that who you like find your people, you end up uh, you know, Erica ended up recommending me for uh, the Where We Live anthology. So I collaborated with her on that piece. And then that's actually how I met Scott, Brian Wilson, because he was at a signing. That's actually how I met Tyler Boss and like uh, Paul Azaceda, who drew uh, Seeds of Eden and a couple other people. Uh, so it's li- <laughs> the signings of the anthologies that I worked for. That's perfect. And, you know, for me, because like I said, I don't need to write comics or anything. It's just something I'm interested in more so as a fan, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe potentially writing something eventually. But between two weekly podcasts and weekly YouTube videos and the 800 other podcasts I work on, I'm like, let's not get too ambitious here. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot. Uh, My brain is always like, oh, another hobby. Like, let you know, uh, I already was like, I have two more ideas for podcasts. I'm like, no, I don't have time. Unless someone recorded for me, and I could draw at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and you do Twitch too still, right? Yeah, so I'm currently on a hiatus for that just because Star Wars and a couple really great projects that I cannot talk about landed all at the same time. And so I was like, I mean, kind of looking at my plate, uh, I guess this relates to our conversation earlier is that I was like, well, what's the first to go? You know what I mean? And that's such a hard decision because Twitch is fun. It was great community. It uh, It's one way that I can connect with everyone since I can't go to conventions right now. Um, but I was like, I kind of have that with my Patreon already. And I'm finding ways to kind of fit in time for them still and subscribers. But uh, Twitch was kind of like one of those easy things that kind of took care of itself on Tuesdays. I'd get to do my commission list and hang out and talk with friends, essentially. That's how I looked at it. So, But it was one of those ones where it was like it did take prep, as you know, like doing podcasts and stuff like that. You kind of got to be like, well, do I have some a guest on? And if I have a guest on, I got to prep that. And I don't think a lot of people understand how much like time goes into producing stuff like that. I've definitely had scenarios where I've streamed and just like asked a friend last minute to pop on. And that's always fun, too. But again, that was the first to go drawing two books at once. So yeah, for me, you know, I mentioned taking Scott Snyder's class a couple times here. And I was like, okay, that I can do. It's once a month. It's a couple hours. 
And, you know, I heard it might end up being every other week or something like that, just because he has so much to say. But at the same time, I was like, okay, this is a good way for me to support one, a creator I really, really love because I've enjoyed a lot of his work, which is American Vampire. I did love his Batman run too. And I think just doing something a little more creative like that with Substack, it's definitely something the other creators aren't necessarily doing because they are creating comics specifically for Substack. But I was like, okay, I want to know what I'm talking about when I talk about comics. I think that's so great. That felt like a great way to do it. And whether I do or don't do the quote unquote homework exercises, you know, it's still been amazing getting to learn from someone who has worked on literally one of the biggest books in comics. And it feels personal. It's like he does it over Zoom. So it's like, I look at him the same way I'm looking at you currently. So it like feels like they're talking straight at you. And you know, you mentioned sort of finding this friend group and I'm like, okay, who who can I get on my podcast? Who can I convince to do this? And then, you know, you already sent me a link to someone else I could have on my podcast. And I was like, this is why I love community because this is something that I feel like didn't necessarily exist before because you'd one didn't have the internet when comics started. And two, like you said, you had to go to conventions to get that. And conventions are typically during a very specific time of year, and they're kind of all crammed in there. And everyone's exhausted and Absolutely. hungry and, you know, run it at a 1000 miles an hour. So for you, with your Patreon and Twitch and everything, it seems like that's the direction a lot of creators are going in as well, especially as an artist, because you can draw live on Twitch. I feel like maybe writers might have a little tougher time with something like Twitch, but I have seen writers do Twitch. And I think that's also great. Like uh, Jamie Jones, who writes and draws, he'll sometimes write like full chapters on stream. And I was like, buddy, how? Because I know when I write, like when I was writing the new Deadbeats uh, London Calling, I almost needed zero sound, you know, like full, like me staring at a Google Doc the whole time. Very, very difficult. Could not 10 out of 10 can't do that streaming. I think it'd be fun to like work out ideas with the collective to create storytelling. But then can I really call that mine? Right? Like I even, I mean, I feel like when I bounce ideas off of friends and stuff like that, even if it's a small inside joke in a panel um, of an issue of True Cult, calling out my friend Hagai Pilevsky, he will often make small jokes to be like, can I put that in as like an inside joke or like an Easter egg in the background? You know what I mean? Like it's, but that all kind of wraps back to like comics as kind of this community and it's like a collaborative storytelling regardless. So. Yeah. And it seems like creative teams stick together a lot longer now too, because they can do things like, you know, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, for instance, they just do everything together now. I don't even know if they work with other people. Scott and I have been joking literally that we are the next uh, Brubaker and Phillips. Like, I was like, mm, let's not go that far. But maybe. like, I like I'm you, down. but not that much. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we are already working together on something again. So uh, I was like, yeah, maybe it has turned out that way. But I, in terms of like reach and things like that, but who knows? Yeah, and I think it's just fun to get to see all of these sort of 
not necessarily cliques in comics, but all of these just different groups of people boosting each other up. And, you know, to go back to Twitch real quick, I think Chip would be good at Twitch. Oh, man, I love when he live streams, mostly because I just like want to message stuff to be like, not to get like, I don't know, I, I like that there is a what can be a two-way interaction if you allow it on Twitch. That's one of the things that I really love about that is like when somebody messages something funny, I'm like clearly going to message back, right? But sometimes it can just be professional and you just read a comment and just you're like live streaming only to and not receiving, right? So that's the beauty of the platform, I suppose. Yeah, that just came to mind because I was like, Yes, Chip would be good at that. I know he does like that. So once in a while, there's that Stegman show or what, whatever on uh, oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't caught many. Like, I've only caught like a couple minutes. And I'm. Uh, you always feel like you're kind of like listening in on, uh, you know, like conversations at a bar or something like that, which I find kind of funny. Like, I would love to just like draw to that kind of stuff. But um, again, can hardly do that. <laughs> Focus-wise, I can't. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, because I edit podcasts, I literally like can't do anything else while I'm working. Oh, yeah. No. Impossible. My friends will be like, did you listen to this album? I'm like, no, but I listened to five hours of someone talking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Feel like that's what I did with my day. I pre-listened to this entire podcast that will be released uh, here in the next couple weeks. Look, I've worked on some that were four hours long. And I was like, this will take me eight to 10 hours to do this one episode. <laughs> so I, when I listen to people, I listen to them for a very long time, apparently. But Liana, is there anything coming up that you can talk about? Like I said, we're recording this end of September, but you won't be hearing it until end of October. So is there anything right now that you can talk about? Or is everything kind of under wraps? The final issue of True Cult is coming out in October. So keep an eye out on that because that is the last issue. So that's really exciting. Um, you can still pick up my Star Wars Adventures issues 7 and 8 uh, at your local comic shop. And, as well as the uh, TKO Seeds of Eden is still available on the TKO website. Um, and there should be an, an announcement soon, I guess, for the graphic novel that I've been drawing this year. Um Hopefully there will be uh, some big news coming out here in the next two days as recording for something really big that I did around the time that I drew Star Wars. So uh, hopefully you got that news already. Um, but you can always find the news on my uh, Twitter. It's where I update everything uh, almost real time, if you will. Uh, oh, and I just had announced that I will be doing all the cover variant covers for the series end after end through vault comics. So 10 beautiful covers that you can pre-order. Amazing. And I'm going to spring this on you here because I did not prepare you as well as I should have as the host of this podcast, but I like doing recommendations at the end. So are there any comics that you've read lately that you really loved and want to recommend? Absolutely. I cannot... And I cannot stress this enough, cannot get enough of The Nice House on the Lake. It is the only book that I rush to the comic shop at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday now, blessed that it turned to Tuesdays, um, and immediately read when I get home. Everything else goes in the ever-growing pile that I am eventually going to get to now that I'm not overworking myself. But um, that is... <laughs> 
that's that's the number one right now. That's my jam. Uh, you know, I usually like have one thing on rotation for about a month or two, and then I'll like skip to the next thing. That's the comic rotation. Yeah, I have been trying to catch up on a lot of comics that I missed because of doing a Stephen King podcast for three years straight. And reading pretty much only Stephen King. <laughs> I did read some other stuff in between. But, you know, I'm actually really, really loving the stand comics. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna recommend Stephen King because I had no idea what to expect when I started reading like the Dark Tower and the Stand comics, but I have found that both are the best adaptations of each of those things so far. I'm not done with them. I am actually recording another stand comic book episode tomorrow for podcast number 15 of the month. <laughs> so I highly recommend checking those out. I think they're on Kindle, and that's probably the easiest way to find them without spending all of your money. Heck yeah. But Liana, thank you so much for joining me today. And you are welcome back on anytime you would like to talk more about comics. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I feel like you are taking over the podcast world. So I appreciate you uh, interviewing me. Right. <laughs> um, and I had a great time. Thanks again. And um, I hope everyone digs a uh, true cult. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.